As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. This is The Athletic Football Show. Welcome. The Athletic Football Show. Today's Monday, August 22nd. I'm Robert Mays. Joining me today is my good friend Nate Tice. Nate, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing well. The end is nigh of the preseason. <laughs> it's, 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 we're almost there. We're almost there. Only a couple more weeks and we actually have real games. I don't have to sift through some third or fourth preseason game, you know, Panthers film. Where they can't even line up. I can't, I, you know, I this guy's name. I don't have. Well, it used to be better because the guys that were, you know, the skill position guys, you really didn't have to worry about were wearing single digits. Now I actually have to care about the guys that are wearing single digits because they actually can wear those numbers now. So that kind of that kind of stinks. I was about to make a joke about that, but I'm ready for the regular season to start. Let's be honest. I drove up to Green Bay last night. I'm here today. I'm gonna spend a couple of days with the Packers, and then I will drive home, and that'll be the end of my preseason travels. And I'm looking forward to being home simply because I've been a garbage disposal for the past month. Oh, I've been working out like pretty much every day on the road, which I feel pretty good about, but I've been eating everything that's not moving faster than me. And I, I need some lifestyle shifts as we oh. get into September here. I had way too much fast food on my, my, I was only gone for like nine days. And I, when I expensed it, I had to sort, I had more than one McDonald's receipt, which is disgusting for me. I don't eat McDonald's that often. I love it, but I don't. And it was, I had to actually sift through and go like, oh, which day was this one? And actually, as opposed to just the one McDonald's receipt I was supposed to expense, it was like three. Maybe that, that's, a, that's a moment where you <laughs> kind of look, where you look yourself in the mirror and start to think about your choices. I, oh, I just, oh, all I did was as soon as I got home is, uh, even though I wanted to rest like for three days, it was like, okay, all right, Peloton, let's wire you up. Let's dust you off a little bit. Let's, let's get going a little bit. There are times where I just won't expense the fast food because I'm embarrassed about it. I was. I, I sit there and I look at it and it's like, all right, I spent seventeen dollars here. Is it I worth the seventeen dollars for the expense people to know what I got at Taco Bell? And I was embarrassed. The answer is no. For the most part, no. the answer is no. The issue with me is though, I haven't been eating a lot of crap. I've been eating really well in these places. But when I go to a city, it's like, what's the best restaurant in this city? Yeah. And then I go alone and I order as if I'm with three other people because I want to try everything, and yep. it just leads to terrible results. I, I eat, eat well. so much more. I eat so much more when I'm just eating alone because I like don't feel shame for some reason. <laughs> like I'm just sitting there on my phone looking at the TV. The waiter keeps coming over. Every everything okay? And I'm just like, yeah, 
just leave me alone for a minute. Just let me let me gorge as well, I you sit take here it to as go. Like a sloth. Oh, and then they give you the three sets of silverware. It's like, man, it's a tough <laughs> look for me right now. <laughs> I really hope they don't know I'm about to eat this alone in bed. Oh man, that's great. I've had I've had a time where I was living alone, especially in Atlanta. I, I you know working long hours, coming home late, and then I got a Chick Fil A one time and. I had enough food in that Chick-fil-A order that they just go, oh, wow, big party, huh? It was just <laughs> for me. And that's when I – that's also when people started asking me if I used to be an offensive lineman. And I was like, okay, it's time, time to drop some weight. Now that people ask me again, like, were you a tight end or a quarterback? Okay, good. We're back to that. But when people started going, do you play tackle or guard, lose a little weight? I was like, no, no, I was a quarterback. <laughs> this isn't good. Well, in, in Green Bay today, I'll, I'll go on the mission to find a salad, which should not be easy. Oh, but somehow God. I think I'll get there. <laughs> All right. With cheese curds on it. <laughs> so Here's what we're going to do today. Uh, we're getting very close. You know, It's August 22nd. we got a couple more weeks. Really one more week of preview content before we get to our division previews. So we're going to start our division previews, I believe, next Monday. So we got four or five more shows. And one of the ones I wanted to do, it's right down the middle, but I still think it's a good exercise. You did it with Mina a little bit earlier this summer, but I feel fine running it back. I feel totally fine. And I also have some changes, which is scary for me. Yeah. (laughs) So we're going to predict the top 10 offenses by DVOA this year. Love it. And I just think it's a really good way to kind of sit back and think about, all right, who's different? Who's the same? Offense is much different than defense. So when we do the show with defense on defense with Deontay tomorrow, we're not going to predict the top 10 just because defense Smart. is so unpredictable. There's yeah. so many weird factors. We're going to ask some questions about defenses with Deontay. But with offense, you can usually do a pretty good job. Offense is much more stable year to year. I think it's a more useful exercise to talk about the offenses this way. So we're just going to run through it. We're going to go 10 to 1. I want to start with the teams that didn't make your list, though. Do you have like a quick, few quick honorable mentions? I have two. I have two honorable mentions because I would say 8 through 12 it was tough for me. That those, I have 13. Hard- I have three yeah, honorable 13. mentions yeah. I did not throw on there because I feel the same way. You could have done any of the three I'm about to mention in the top 10. Yeah, so the two that missed the cut for me is the Raiders and the Packers. And the Packers was a wow. tough cut. Yeah, wow, that, that's surprising. That was, okay, That was a big change. That, that was a change. Raiders and Packers was a tough one for me. But Pat, and I, I'll get into why Packers. It's, it's a little weird right now. I think they're rebalancing the team. I think that's what they're trying to go for as a whole. But if you're counting on a fourth-round rookie to be your, one of your better receivers, the offensive line is kind of shaky. Like, there's some injuries there. The tight end room is shaky. They've had a ton of injuries there. Just a little – I'm a little scared. Even though as much as I trust Aaron Rodgers and LaFleur and that coaching staff, the offensive line coach, it, it's – I don't know. I, I just – it's not as like a bonafide where I'm like, oh, this is top six, seven. If they end up top ten, I wouldn't be shocked. But it's still just, you know, I still have some question marks more than I thought even a couple months ago. And then the Raiders offensive line still a little shaky. I that one is Raiders was tough for me. I would say Raiders was closer to top ten than Packers were. So Raiders would be eleven, and Raiders Ra- was tough. Raiders are probably fourteenth for me. I think they would okay. have been the first team I had left off from my honorable mentions. Offensive line was the first thing I literally oh, typed. Line. I typed Raiders, and then I and then I sat there and thought about it for a second. I was like, I can't do it. I just can't do it with the line. I talk I, myself out of them every time. I, I just and how I, I and I trust Josh McDaniels. I really do, and I, I love their guys: Devontae Adams, Hunter Renfro, Darren Waller. But it's just like, is that enough? Like, are we trusting all that? Are, are we going to trust Derek Carr with maybe a shaky offensive line or up and down offensive line? Like, I don't know. Is Alex Leatherwood playable? Like, just they have so many question marks. I want to see it. They're they're ones I have to see to like really like trust them. 
I'm with you. Uh, and that's, that's yeah. why I left them off. And it's why they were, again, like my last team from my honorable mentions. The three I did not put in my top ten. And I assume w- at least one of them is probably two for you. I had the Ravens, who easily could be eight, nine, or ten. Uh, that's Swap them out with any of the teams that I mentioned. I think their offensive line is going to be considerably better. I'm not that worried about the lack of high-end receiving talent outside. I just think with the way that they're built, they'll be able to kind of overcome that. The run game, I think, is going to be so, so much better yes. than it was last year. Again, the line being healthier, getting guys in there. Even like Morgan Moses at right tackle. Just little things like that where it's like human yeah. being. functional person and that shit matters and you know hopefully the linderbaum not missing some time this summer doesn't really matter i think that he's such an interesting piece and what he can do for them and he's sharp too so that's where it's mentally i I think he'll be okay i'm fascinated by what that run game looks like because i I have to assume that they looked at a lot of the shit the eagles could do with kelsey and thought what can we do with a center who moves like that and do they incorporate some of that stuff? So I'm really interested to see what that looks like. They could have been eighth. They could have been seventh. I just I wanted to talk about these other teams a little bit more than the Raider yeah. than the Ravens. Another team that didn't make it for me was the Cowboys. I that's that was tough. I know it. Are you, they're on yours, I assume. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It, it, I just we, we can talk about why you think they are. The receiving talent is just a concern to me. Yes. If you're looking yes. at this and you're really relying on Jalen Tolbert. And when James Washington got hurt and it was a thing, that becomes a problem. And we don't know when Gallup is going to be back. When they asked him if he was going to be ready for week one, it was the day before I went to camp. They He laughed at them. And that's not a good sign. They just no. don't have that many playmakers. And you know the offensive line, they're one tackle injury away from some shuffling that makes me concerned. Let's say Terrence Steele gets hurt. okay, Or Tyron Smith, who has not been a beacon of health over the last (laughs) five years, even if he was a little bit healthier last year. Let's say Tyron Smith goes down. What happens? I know. Do you about a rookie Tyler do you, Smith? The do left you put tackle Tyler Smith at left tackle, and then you move McGo- and then McGovern slip, slides in at that guard spot, and so then you have a, a rookie left tackle who has spent the majority of his time in camp playing guard because yep. I think they want him to win that job. Josh yes. Ball, who they drafted in the fourth round last year, by all accounts, has not come on the way that they wanted him to. So they're swing tackleless, and that's just going to lead to some things where the shuffling starts, and you don't like it. So I have some concerns about. What happens if they move one or two pieces up front? And that that combined with the skill position talent and the fact that I have my reservations about this offensive coaching staff still. I okay, that's I was just about to crack a joke. I go, every time I get excited, I always remember, oh, yeah, Mike McCarthy's still there. And I know he's not calling plays and whatnot, but it's still that that stank is still when like I turned just, down just over Mike there. McCarthy way last night. I just started laughing. My hotel was right off Mike oh, McCarthy way right. in Green Bay. They named it. And it's just, I hear the GPS, turn left on Mike McCarthy way. It's like, that's fucking hilarious. <laughs> that is really funny. Did you see the shed where he studied, you know, all the stuff that got on the Cowboys job? You know, when he did the the analytics deep dive camp that he was doing that one year? Did you drive by that? My understanding is he lives in like a hundred acre estate out here. Because I guess you can if you're the head coach of the Packers. So. Yeah. It is such a going. I'm sure for you too. Like doing the training camp tour, it is like going straight from Chicago, especially now that they have camp uh, at their facility, and then going to Green Bay, and even going to Madison, Minneapolis for me, and San Fran. And then you just you just get reminded a lot. You're like, I'm in Green Bay. Like it's, the drive. It, it's so much Chicago. better than it used to be, though. I mean, it, by by the stadium across from Lambo, there used to be a Kmart. Yep. And one Mexican restaurant. And now there's like an actual collection of shit here. 
There's a they brewery. So there's multiple breweries. There's a couple nice hotels. The area around the stadium is actually pretty nice. I've, I'm so used to coming up here that it just doesn't yeah. phase me anymore. I, I've been up yeah. here so many times. So that's that's the thing for me. I was always on the opposing team. Like I never stayed in Green Bay. It was it was you know coming with my dad when my dad was playing there. So it's like that was my first time really just like staying in Green Bay was when I took that visit. So that was that was fun for me. So yeah, that's why the Cowboys just they didn't make it for me. And then the other team I wanted to at least mention. If the Vikings finish with like the seventh best offense in the league, would you be surprised? Nope. Are they on your I, list? No. Okay. Are they and I'm glad you brought them up though, because I'm yeah, I don't know. I'm we'll probably talk about this in divisional previews because I think I got the NFC North. I learned this yesterday. But I don't know. I'm a little optimistic about them. And I it's actually one of those that maybe I should have thrown it as my honorable mentions because that's a great call. Give me a reason why the Vikings wouldn't be one of the ten best offenses in the league this year. And that's actually now that we're talking about it, I'm actually kind of embarrassed that I don't have them. Like, because it's, I'm really, like I said, I'm optimistic. I think they know what their line is, and I think they know how to negate the issues that the line has had over and the I years. And I think they're going to be better. If Derek Saw takes are. a big step forward, if yes. Ed, Ing- Ed Ingram wins that right guard job and he ends up being pretty decent, you know, we know what Bradbury is at this stage, it, and I guess that's we a act concern. like it's a shit old line. It's, it's like, really it was, not. It's fine. It's, it's a really totally not. fine. I know. And even for me, and, and then you get reminded, and then you got, I love how they're using Jefferson and Thielen. Like they, I mean, it truly, I, in my article about, uh, about my training camp is it's, I really thought it was like, it's more about that. It looks like that Rams offense from 2018, 2019 with Woods and, and Cup, of course, but the heavy play action, play action, play action. They're not emptying it out like Stafford, but they're just going to lean in. I think they'll do some, I think they'll do more of that than you think they do. Okay. I think they'll do more of that than you think. But I do think that having, just Hopefully the, the picture stays the same. We're gonna talk about this. We're gonna talk about this with Kevin O'Connell when we do our play caller show later this yeah. week. I think it's about cohesion within the offense, mm-hmm. right? Because the the bones of the offense DNA wise are the same system. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. the guy's last same name called play last year was Kubiak, literally. But yeah. I think that it's about the cohesion between. All right, off this look, one run, one pass, one screen, all of it like kind of building together rather yep. than scattered place. And I think yep. that's what the Rams do an incredibly good job of. And yes. this, there's, it's a misnomer that they were this run-heavy backwards offense last year. That's just not true. No. But I think that there are little tiny dials to push them into modernity and just have everything kind of come together in a better, smoother way on offense than they had it last it's, year. I love how I always love the analogy we use is just turning the dials, cranking the dials in certain ways. And they, like you said, they had the bones, and it really doesn't look too much different. A little more toss zone a little bit, but all the jet sweep stuff was great. Like, and that's like you're saying, you're speaking of cohesion of that. And that's what the Rams do well. It's just that they, I think they're just going to crank it up. Like, Hey, we're good at this. Why be scared to do it? As opposed to running those heavy play action bombs twice a game. Let's run it four times a game. Like it's not crazy, but imagine if you went, okay, it's like shoot threes. If I make, I will go two for four on those. That's one more explosive play. I just created that's 40 yards. I just gained, you know, that's four first downs. I picked up in one play. I think they're just going to lean into that. That's like, we have a decent running game. We have a great running back. Okay, we're going to have that. Imagine Dalvin Cook on those che- those checkdowns like Todd Gurley used to get. Exactly. I mean, it's going to be great. And those screens, he's a great screenplay uh, uh, receiver. Like, I don't know. It, I, it, they have some good – they have some interesting stuff. I, I, I Every day I become more and more like intrigued with the Vikings are going to be, be this year. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm bullish on them. And if we are yeah. and you like the personnel and you think the coaching is going to be better, they yeah. easily could be a top 10 team. All right, let's start. So they're my, they're my late honorable mention. I'm throwing him as uh, – <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm right. embarrassed that I didn't bring him up. Who's at 10 for you? 
At 10, oh, let me get my list ready. Okay, at 10, I have the Denver Broncos. And this one was this one I go back and forth with a lot because we we talked about the quarterbacks in new places, and so it's almost a continuation of that conversation. I if they ignore the siren song of let Russ cook, I will like this team. If they lean into too much of the let Russ cook stuff, I'm a little more trepidatious about it. I think their line's pretty solid, even without uh, Munchak being there anymore. I like the running backs, of course, Javante Williams and uh, uh, Melvin Gordon. Melvin still got stuff in the tank. Like uh, he really does. He's not a washed player. Like he's still a solid back. Um, the receiver room with Sutton. Judy is not doesn't have great stylistic synergy with Russ. I, I think like Judy would be great with like a guy like Rogers or something yes. like that. You know, I it's totally not agree the, with that. It's not the guy for him. He's more of a yeah. He's more of a crafty, quick, intermediate guy. While Russ likes his size and his you know ball winners. Like hey, he went. To, he was a Badger for a year. Uh, but it's <laughs> but I think really with Sutton is the guy that will expand. I think everyone has seen this. I'm really high on Albert O. Their tight end. Um, he's here's my breakout candidate. They're being. Are you really worried that of- he's playing deep into preseason yes, games? I am, with I am worried. I am concerned. Worried. Oh, I had a little Twitter rant about it. I was like, hey, 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 hey. The last coaching staff was like tabbing this guy, and all of a sudden, you guys can't get him on the field. Well, you or you get him on the field too much. I think it's more they want reps out of him. I think Albert O is not a natural football player. He's more of an athlete. Yeah. So he needs reps. He's just a rep guy. I don't think he's dumb. I think it's just that he needs reps. He's just I think one that's of those what Hackett guys. said, right? He said yep. he hasn't played a, a ton of football. We want to get him out there a little bit more. So that's what you hope that it is. Uh, exactly. And They're I like ninth Goldfish. for me. Ninth, and okay. I here's the, my reasoning. And it doesn't with some of these teams where there's it's really new. It's kind of hard yep. to go off of last year's stats. Like when people start throwing out stats about previous regimes with different quarterbacks as they relate yep. to offenses, I'm like, why are we doing this? <laughs> like, right. This right. Is everything that happened outside of maybe player usage and role about guys that are still there, like yep. how much time Tim Patrick spent in the slot last year compared to this year and things like yep. that maybe we can think about. But other than that, I I think a lot of it is not that useful. But you look back at Seattle. How many times in the past 10 years do you think the Seahawks finished outside the top 10 in offensive DVOA? Oh, probably only once. Twice. Twice, 2016 yeah. and 2017. That's it. We've done all this hemming and hawing about Russell Wilson and the Seahawks passing game and the limitations yeah. of it over the last couple of years. The Seahawks were seventh in passing DVOA last season. Right. Wasn't <laughs> like, their weighted like pretty good too or something like that? Like they they like yeah I know it's it's funny it's funny like it's uh, we're gonna talk about another team where it's like man they they need to do this this and that and they're top five in every metric and you're like hmm. Maybe I shouldn't be so harsh on that. <laughs> they were eighth. Excuse me. They were eighth in eighth, passing still, and seventh, still. seventh in total offensive DVOA last season. And that's with Russ missing a chunk of time yep. and then looking awful when he came back early on yep. because of the finger. Yep. Russell Wilson is a very good quarterback. And yeah. what's around him there is not a disaster. So I just I feel know. like in the back half of the top 10, I feel comfortable penciling them in. That was I, that was I, it. Like That was the reasoning. I don't think the marriage is. is perfect. I think mm-hmm. it's going to be a little bit disjointed early on as they figure out what it looks like. But I think by the end of the season, they will be right here in this conversation. All right. I think that they have a high floor because the run game, I think no matter what, will be solid. And Russ can create explosive plays. So no matter what, they're going to have it be at least above average. You I know? think that's like, a great way to put it. Yeah. All right. Number 10 for me is the Colts. Do you, are number they in your top ten or no? Number nine for me is the Colts. Perfect. So we just okay. Perfect. I don't. I don't think we have to spend a ton of time on this. If you guys no. want to go back and listen to the conversation we had about Indianapolis in our quarterbacks of new places show about Matt Ryan, yep. that's really a good chunk of it. The the stat I was looking at today, 
Carson Wentz was 26th in the NFL last season in on-target throw percentage, according Jeez. to Pro Football Reference. Matt Ryan was ninth. That that's that's it. Like just yep, the ability that's... to run your offense and just having more reliability on a football and personality level in the building every <laughs> single day, I, I think is a big thing. And it really I asked Frank Reich this, and he gave me a sort of non-answer. I pretty much asked him, what do you want to do on offense? Like you've had to do so many different things because of your quarterback over the last three years. And you had to change quarterbacks in a vacuum. What would you want to be on offense? And I think it would be a little bit more varied. It would be a lot of the stuff they did with Andrew Luck back in the day because Andrew Luck could still move. And that to me is the huge difference between Matt Ryan and Phillip Rivers is that if you want to play under center and use play action, you can't. And you couldn't mm-hmm. do it with Philip Rivers. So the fact that the entire offense is available to them. And the other number that I looked at that I think is really telling. Naheem Hines had 40 catches last season. He had 63 in 2020 with Rivers. He yeah. went from an 82.9% catch rate with Rivers to 70% last year with Wentz. Yeah. It's just little things like that. Yeah. I, I just I like the pieces. I think there are reasonable concerns about the pass catching options. But... If Alec Pierce is that vertical outside the numbers guy and we like Michael Pittman, they love Ashton Doolin. And even if Paris Campbell gets hurt, I think they believe Ashton Doolin can be a pretty solid third receiving option for them. The line is probably going to be better than it was last year, Mm -hmm. even with Matt Pryor at left tackle. Quentin Nelson was not healthy last season. I I just have faith in their ability to do this well. And they also have a super underrated center. Like Kelly yes. is such a good player. Like that's a guy I always forget until I rewatch him. I'm like, God, he's such a good player, and and, and that helps. I mean, I well, yeah, I, I'm glad you said it because I said uh, my first note on this was we dove into this, so let's listen to that podcast about why I'm excited about this. I just I just like it. I like the quarterback uh, uh, where he attacks the football or throw likes to attack throwing the football. I like the size that they have at receiver. I love Jonathan Taylor. I think that all I love Frank Reich as a play caller and a play designer. He's one of the best at adapting without going crazy, but just little tweaks, turning dials. Like we say, he's one of the best in the, in the entire NFL. Yeah, I mean, he's like a top five play caller for me. I think he should for, be for everybody. Uh, but really the tight end room, but the size, Kyle and Grantson, I, I just like it. I really think this is going to be a really fun team. Another team that's going to pick up as the year goes along. And I, I love how you keep bringing up how Matt Ryan brings, it makes everything available. So it's like whatever they realize that they can lean into, they can do it. Play action, intermediate passing, even quick game and RPOs. Like he's pretty solid at it. Like he can, he can go on the move because he's still a decent athlete. It's it's some good stuff. And I, I really like that, that he can do that. And it's, yeah, I think it's going to be a fun team to watch and a fun team to watch develop throughout the year once they kind of figure what they want to do. The last thing I'll say, they're so bummed that Andrew Ogletree tore his ACL because oh. they were really, really excited about him. He was probably going to start. It was going to be him really? and Mo Alley Cox, and I think that they were going to use a lot of twelve personnel with those two guys. And now that the room changes a little bit, yeah. And you know, Granson becomes that move tight end, and you know, Cox yeah. is now in that true inline role because Jack Doyle is gone. So they lose a little flexibility, and they were pretty pumped about him. But I still think they have more than enough. What, the other stat that I came across when I, I did the quarterback article is. Yes, sometimes I think one of the arguments when people are saying the Colts receivers, it's like, oh, they don't create after the catch. Like that, I to me that feels like one it's ridiculous. Kind of but <laughs> right, but also it's funny since 2019, no quarterback has gotten less of his yards created after the catch than Matt Ryan. He's used to this world. 
Like he's used but to. But also look back but, at 2020 when they had Rivers. They, but, they're on all those crossers. It's because Wentz uh-huh. can't place the football. Exactly. There's no accuracy. But I'm saying that even if that's the one argument you have against this, it's like Matt Ryan's lived in that world. He's fine. But this receiving group is so much better than that. Pierce, Pierce, I'm watching the game from yesterday. He, oh my God, he had a play where uh, he carried a guy. Like that's the thing. He's not a jukey guy. But he buried his shoulder into a guy and dragged him five yards to create some after the catch. And his biggest knock is, oh, he can't create after the catch. And it's like, oh, my God, that your rookie that's dunking on guys is now creating yards after the catch. Like, that's going to be a really fun uh, dynamic pairing, I think. Yeah, I think they're going to be just fine with the pass casting options. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. All right, who's number eight for you? Eight is the Cowboys. And you kind of knocked you kind of touched in exactly what my qualms with them are, but it's just yeah. I, I, I keep rewatching Dak before he popped his calf, and I'm like, I can't I, I get suckered back into this team. It's a good argument. It's time. a good enough argument. That's what uh, he's that's what it is. It's he's gonna sugarcoat it for me. Like he's gonna just put that little whipped cream on it and make it look good. I I, I really think he's gonna be decent. Uh I mean, well, no kidding, Nate, but I really think he's gonna be great, I should say. Uh, but I think the offensive line woes is a great, you know, it's it, that's really what I come back to. And the receiving, I think that even though he has a really great chemistry with C D, and I think C D's gonna be on a, a monster year this year, great chemistry with Dalton Schultz. Okay, so you gotta Four five five receiver and a tight end that doesn't run a route past ten yards. Mm, what's the one thing that we knocked the Cowboys for? Feeling tight. So that's where kind does of a the little juice scary. come from? I think is where a huge question for from? me. It's a yep. huge question, especially with Gallup. When Gallup gets back, we yep. know what Gallup can be vertically yep. outside the numbers. True. There, there's no questions Down about that. Yep. But if he misses some time, I should probably give Dak more credit in this conversation than I do. And I'm probably leaning but, too much on what they I'm look like. But I'm not knocking you for it. I am kind of had the same argument in my head, too. I'm like, man, they, they get two injuries. This team could be rough. That's like, my problem offense. is it's so yeah. fragile. It, they're fragile. just so – they're so close to this being a really bad situation, especially yep. up front. And, again, they've been hurt a lot over the last few years. I mean, yep. Terrence Steele had to come in and play last year. It's yeah. it's not like we've we have to squint or use our imaginations with this team and offensive line injuries. So yep. I'm just a little bit worried about one or two totally little things it. happening and going off the rails. But if, if Dak is one of those guys that stays healthy, I should probably give him yes. a little bit more credit in this situation. And and he's got a you know and I, this might be some of the calf, but I also think that when he had the injury two years ago, the more catastrophic one. And I think he keeps saying this is the healthiest I've been in about three years, which is awesome to hear because. Last year was the fewest amount of times he scrambled <laughs> since 2018. It's the least amount of EPA per scramble, the lowest EPA per designed rush he's had since 2018, since as far back as I can look it up. So 
you got to lean into it. Like we got to create these yards somehow. They have to be creative with him. They have to get him on the move a little bit more to help out the offensive line. He has to lean in. I know he wants to be the super robot from the pocket, and that's why I love him. But he has to create a little bit more. Just ha- He has to. He has to put more on his shoulders. I think he's okay with that, but that's what it has to be. It has to be Dak's year, like in, which I thought would be last year, which it was starting to be. So he popped his calf. But I think it truly has to be because he has to be the offense. Even if he's not running. Close your eyes and think of that Josh Allen play from this weekend. Right. Kyle Juszczyk said something really smart to me when I was in San Francisco just about how teams find explosive plays in the NFL in this world where defenses are structured to take exactly that away. And it's second reaction plays. It's just being able to find those throws late in the down where your quarterback is creating a little bit, but he's keeping his eyes downfield. You have one of those guys and having a super processor is really helpful. And Dak is a really good quarterback, but defenses are too good. You know, you think about that Broncos game last year and just how hard it was for them when they play against some of these really good defensive coaches or San Francisco in the playoffs. Can you just get that splash play that emerges out of nowhere? Cause you make it happen. And yep. it almost feels like a necessity to be a really, really good offense these days. And can he give them that element because he's feeling a little bit better physically? I think it's a reasonable question. I, I, I'm totally with you. It's he can he's like Ray Allen or something. He can jack up those threes and it's just like, but can you go get us a bucket? Get yeah, fouled. Create your own shot. Yeah. Create your own shot. Go get fouled. Take it to the rack. Like like that's what he needs to do. He needs to go get a bucket that way. Like I, I again I love the processing, but that's what go get a bucket is, is I mean, ad-libbing the play, Extend the, that incredible Josh Allen throw, which I'll talk about a little bit, but uh, from yesterday in the preseason, he ad-libs just enough in the pocket to create a new play, even though it was still in structure. It's kind of a weird way to ex- think of it just extending a half second. I think second, that's exactly right, though. But that's what he did. It, it's He's mitigating pressure in a way that makes the yep. offensive line less important. Just little tiny things that are helpful when you're yep. playing late into downs, not hurtful. Speaking yep. of making things hurtful when you're playing late into downs, I have the Cincinnati Bengals at number eight on my oh, list wow. of offenses. I so obviously you know when you're talking about their issues there. You had that there, great tweet about Cincinnati a couple weeks ago. You know, you <laughs> do you have them higher? Uh yeah. Okay. All right. So slightly. just slightly. I they could probably be higher. I there are a few different things. I was there this week and just talking to people on their offense about. All right, where do you feel like you needed to get better? And obviously, the protection and the eating the sacks is the biggest issue. Their personnel yep. was going to change that. Joe doesn't help himself all the time, though. Nope. I mean, there are plays nope. where he really was trying to get every single ounce of meat off the bone, and yep. it leads to some bad results. That's part of who he is, but I think trying to crank that down a little bit would be helpful. So they were 12th in weighted offensive DVOA last season. They were 19th in rushing EPA, but they were middle of the road in neutral situation pass rate. I think that yeah. they'll throw the ball. And I understand how you get there because you don't want your quarterback to get decapitated. Right. And it, <laughs> This idea that pass, pass more, pass more, pass more, pass more at the expense of everything is just not how human beings work. And I think that we have to understand that. And they're trying to give him plays where he doesn't have to worry about getting absolutely killed. So yes. they'll throw the ball more this year because they trust the protection more. And I think that is important. So if they're... 58% pass instead of 52% pass and their passing game is still extremely efficient that alone bumps them up into the top 10 from where they were a year ago so th- yes. and I think that they will be that yeah I think They're- we need to I do think we need to have a real conversation about the players that they added on their offensive line like Lyle Collins is good 
This idea that Alex Kappa is Zach Martin is very strange to me. Right? It was the fifth best starter on the Bucks line is <laughs> And like Ted Karras has the- bounced around the league. And I understand yeah. how important it is to go from the worst offensive line of football or one of the worst three to a functional offensive line. Yeah. That's a really important transition. But I don't suddenly think that the Bengals are going to start running the ball like the 2016 Cowboys. Right. And right. So and I think that's important to understand. I agree. And it was so funny. I remember when we started the offseason pods and I was like, we talked. I think we talked about like the Bengals plan or something of that sort. Like we're talking about what the what ideal matches or something. And I was like, well, I know for the Bengals that the, the one guy they should keep is their center, Trey Hopkins. The first freaking guy they cut was Trey Hopkins, <laughs> and, and, and and like they re, they wanted to swap him out. I'm like, really? I was like, that's that was the guy that was helping you guys out. Like that guy was doing a lot for you guys. So I don't know. Their self evaluation was a little interesting to me. But yeah, I I, I think again is. We, it's not they went from shit to amazing all pro level. They just went to average, maybe even below average for some of the guys, which is an improvement. Don't get me wrong, but it's still not like, like you said, it's not like they added Zach Martin and Quentin Nelson <laughs> and, and, and Ryan Ramchek at right tackle. Yeah. I mean, the Cordell Wilson, who's a fourth round pick, is right now, I think, by about six inches leading that left guard battle. I mean, he, they're going to have a fourth round rookie in there. And then you, Ted Karras, Alex Kappa, and Lyle Collins, who hasn't practiced. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's, I think there is, there's more to be said about that offensive line than people just writing in pen that is now a good group of players. Yeah. No, I you, agree. They Bengals were sixth for me. So, okay. And, and All right. So they're just buff. So but the one same, other thing I want to say, so the one other thing I want to, let's dig into this a little bit more about why you have them sixth. I, I, they last year, and this is my one other concern about them. I have them in the top 10, by the way, before Bengals. Yeah, I know, right? Like really pissed yeah. off about this. I have them in the top 10 last year against cover one and cover three. Joe Burrow led the NFL in EPA per attempt. Okay, I'm not shocked. <laughs> this Those is go balls. This is my so this is my favorite part of the stat. He was seventh in air yards per attempt and seventh in average time to throw. So he was okay. operating quickly while throwing the ball deep. It's a good yep. combination. It that's it, that's what you want. Every single time he looked out there and saw Jamar Chase one on one, he took it every single time, yep. which he should. Teams are not going to allow that to happen anymore. That's. So now what happens? And I think they have a very good plan on a few different fronts after conversations there. One, they know they're going to get more shell coverage this year. So how are they going to create opportunities for Jamar Chase that exist in that world? We already saw it near the, in the back half of last season. His slot snaps went up intensely. He's, yep. They're using him in the backfield a little bit. I asked them, where did you kind of look for ideas for him? And the answer is everywhere because he can do everything. He can be Debo. In some yep. of these situations, because he's built like that, they think he can play inside and run some of those choice routes and have a little bit more awareness and short area quickness to his game than it might seem at first glance and do some Cooper Cup, Justin Jefferson type stuff. So moving him around, getting him some yak opportunities, mm-hmm. really having him be a movable piece within their offense, which we saw it a little bit of during the back half of last year. I think we'll see more of that this season. Yeah. The, the other side of this, and the, we talk about the silos and how siloed they are, they yeah. were 80% run under center last year. Yeah. When they run under center... It was center, all one second down. It was, like, it was hilarious. It. That's when they're yeah. going to do it. They're going to they're gonna run when they're under center because Joe did not feel comfortable turning his back to the defense with that offensive line. Can, I mean, you, can you blame him? Yeah, that's fair. I, I get so it. So now, <laughs> if, if, the, if the protection is better, do they feel yeah. comfortable using a little bit more play action? Do they feel comfortable being able to attack some of these new defensive plans 
that teams are going to have for them. When you look at what they did last year against San Francisco for a good chunk of that game, the Broncos, Rams in the Super Bowl, their offense struggled. They, they yep. just weren't efficient outside of explosive plays often enough. Can they find that plan for efficiency? And by putting them eighth, I'm kind of saying the answer is yes. Like, I still think they're going to be a very good offense. Yeah, but they lived and died by by 50-50 balls and explosive plays. And that, like, that's the stuff. I wouldn't say it's luck-based because, you know, Jamar Chase and T. Higgins are dunking on guys. You know, like, they're, uh, they're good. you understand why they do it. Because it's hard like, these to players, live that way, though. It's hard to live that way. Exactly. They're running, and I mean this as a compliment and a diss, they're running, like, the 2006 Colts offense where they run five plays. But the thing is, it's not, you know, Burrow's amazing, but it's not Peyton throwing to Reggie Wayne, Marvin Harrison, and just, like, automatic every single play and they're not facing basic static coverages every single play you got wielding freaking defenses moving every which way and so that's where the hesitation comes I'm, I'm glad you brought up the siloed stuff too because that's my that was so annoying that it was yes joe mixon was great at him but it was like i could guarantee you if it was second and four here they go under center they're going to be in heavy personnel and they're going to run weak side zone and then Joe Mixon's going to cut it back at his five, four or five yards, and they get the first down. Here comes another go ball. Here comes spreading it out, and here comes some vertical passing concepts. So it's like you said, it's once you have tape out there for players, coaches, everybody, good defenses or good opposing units get really good at game planning against you. NFL is all about matchups. You think NFL teams are going to love what they're going to watch that Chiefs tape and go, we're not going to get dunked on by Jamar Chase every play. Like, we're going to make him throw to T. Higgins. We're going to make it what the Rams did to him. Like, let's just cloud it up, cloud being cover two, and just let's make it murky on them. Let's make him be – let's make Joe Burrow be meticulous and matriculate down the field and, and find underneath options, work Tyler Boyd over and over, as opposed to just getting dunked on down the field. And I think that's what's going to happen to him. I'm optimistic that they're going to continue to grow, but it's also I, – I think all your hesitancy is the ones I have. So I kind of like – I hedge my bets a little bit with the six. It's like one of those, like, they seem like they should be better, but I think and I always bring up what Shield talked about when we were talking about our gambling segment. He goes, man, for stretches at a time, this looks like the worst offense ever. And then all of a sudden you have two series where they score two touchdowns off of like a big play. It's like, yeah, that's kind of what it is. That's kind of what this offense is. So I'm hoping they eliminate some fat at least. When you look at what the, the way the Titans played them last year, they yeah. got sacked nine times in that game. Eight of them are when he was not being blitzed. They're going to, they don't put, they're not going to get blitzed anymore. They, nope. they by the end of last Never. season, teams understood that we're not going to give you answers to the test. We're not going to make this easy on you. So if teams are playing more shell, they're not going to blitz you. There's going to be all those bodies in coverage. You're going to see, I assume, a ton of simulated pressures because yep. if teams can't blitz, how are they going to change the picture on you? And that's what the Titans do. You know, that was a huge part of what the Titans' game plan was. Yep. Multiple defensive coordinators I've talked to over. I always like asking guys, "What's the most interesting thing you watched this spring?" It's just like that's a, a fun question. conversation. And multiple defensive coaches said the Titans simulated fire zones in the way that they did those pressures. And I think Jim that Schwartz influence of the league still. How about you that? Just kind of see, I think you see, you're going to see more and more of it. I think this is going to be a team that sees a lot of it. So I, I'm bullish yep. on them, but I still think that there are a couple little things that are lingering in my mind. Who's seven for you? Seven is the Ravens. And I, I, I just think this. I think it's going to be a good year for them. I, I think they're eating some of their vegetables. I'm hoping anyways, Greg Roman's limiting his 400 page passing book passing concept book so maybe about 14 pages um i of course can't wait for rashad bateman to watch him this year i think he is a better stylistic fit uh to lamar uh i mean last year hollywood brown was just not 
good for them, what, how the role that they had for him, even if his counting stats were okay. He was such an inefficient player for them that I think when they were trying to get to those plays down the field, which they started having to as the season went along because they're playing their ninth string running back and <laughs> the line's decimated, <laughs> um, is, you know, Hollywood Brown, like throws of 20 or more air yards, his EPA per play is negative 0.39. That's why like, it's like, it was just, it's like, you might as well just not throw it and take a sack. <laughs> like, then, then try and launch it up there because it was just a negative play for him. And I love, you know, Mark Andrews, him, Lamar obviously have a great fit. So I'm talking about the passing game because I do think this running game is going to be just by default better. And, and hopefully you have a healthy JK Dobbins and a Gus Edwards coming back. But I, I, I like the offensive line, how they've replenished it. They got some interesting tight ends uh, behind Mark Andrews. Um, even some of these role-playing receivers, I'm not as high as some people are. Like, I wouldn't say like, oh, they're going to be great, but they're interesting. Like Devin Duvernay, I, I like um, uh, Tywin Wallace at Oklahoma State. This is his second year. I think he could be a nice little underneath kind of guy. I don't know. I, I think they have a lot of nice, like solid players as maybe just stars other than Rashad Bateman, but that might just be my private star. Uh, but I'm excited to see what this passing game looks like. I think Omar is going to be hell-bent on having a big year. No kidding. But I really do. I think he he knows that he's basically in a contract here, as you know. So I think he has some incentive to really, really you know tear tear the league apart. Um, I just I don't know. I, I like the Linderbaum. We already talked about him. I just think through sheer health they're going to be better. Like that's really what it is. No team lost more games, adjusted games lost according to Football Outsiders than the Ravens last year on their and on record. Football Outsiders has been doing it for like a decade. And no one has lost more games than the Ravens did last year, especially on offense, even if you go by units. And so I just think by natural law of order, they'll at least be above average to good. And I think they just have a lot more incentive to be very good uh, quarterback personnel and their offensive line blows. They had an all pro left tackle who didn't play last year. <laughs> yeah, they're starting Andrew build a wave off the off the bench off the street it's important like the, those little tiny i mean it's not a little tiny thing but just though reminding yourself of that stuff is important i, I think they're gonna yeah. be good they easily could have been in my top 10 i more so just wanted to talk about the colts <laughs> and, right. and, and, and making a point with them so uh, no problem with that whatsoever i have the rams at seven okay do you have them higher than that uh slightly okay i so i have the rams at seven i can understand some questions about this yeah o- offensive line movement you know, yeah, that, their pass protection was such an important part of why their offense was able to thrive last year. The way that Stafford was able to kind of hang on to the ball, find secondary receivers late in plays, how long developing a lot of their concepts were, especially out of empty. They have tricks to do it, right? Those little mm-hmm. plays where they're chipping guys and they did a really good job of helping their five guys up front. But I think that swapping Notebook in for Whitworth theoretically it'll be fine you know he's been mm-hmm. good in the action that we've seen him he was really good in that playoff game where he had to step in but i still think that it's a question coleman shelton who's i think going to be their starting right guard especially after logan brust uh, tore his acl and mcl in the preseason uh, i think he's looked pretty good i don't think that's going to be an issue but just you know a couple moving pieces and, and just stuff to pay attention to uh stafford's elbow little things like yep. that but that's really it other than that i just have so much faith in the offensive coaching staff, even with losing one more guy, the fact that they lost their offensive coordinator again, and I'm just not that concerned about it. Offensive line coach is still the same. I think they've done a really good job out of getting the most out of that personnel group. And I'm really excited about watching Allen Robinson and Cooper Cup play together. Like, <laughs> yes. I just, they do such a good job. And I think that Stafford will now allow them to do this even more 
where the evolution and being able to drive the offense forward and being slightly different every year while having that pillar of quarterback play that they didn't necessarily have with Goff, I just have so much faith in their ability to figure it out and be good on that side of the ball. I think it's justified at this point. Yeah, I have them fifth. And so I, and that, I mean, really can't add much more. Uh, the Stafford elbow is, is, I'm, you know, keeping, keeping an eye on that, two eyes on that now. It's, it's getting a little weird, um, how far it's gone along. But just like you said, of course, Cooper Cup, a receiver. I want to see Allen Robinson have a back, uh, bounce back year. One of my better, like more favorite players in the league. And that's why I was kind of more, I wasn't mad, but disappointed in his play last year. <laughs> and I think it's because he didn't want to live in Chicago anymore. Like, I, I get why, though. It's not because he, I'm sure he loved the city, but I'm sure, <laughs> but I think his work situation wasn't great. <laughs> um, it's hard to blame I, him. Yeah, I, I get it. I totally get it. But, you know, but the, I, I, the offensive line, even when, there's such a greater sum of their parts. That's what's always cool watching those Rams lines is, yes, I mean, Whitworth and all that and uh, Saffold before, but it's just like they're always kind of some of their parts. They always have good rules. So it's kind of like that's why every time I get a little hesitant with them, it's like, well, they always figure it out. Like they always have kind of answers to do everything. So I'm not going to – I'm a lot of like prior history I'm taking here. <laughs> it's like they've proven that they're able to do this. It's They got some interesting young players too. I, Bryson Hopkins – um, number 88, their tight end. He looked great in the preseason game. They cut Kendall Blanton because Bryson Hopkins was playing so well. And then they have this other guy, Jacob Harris, uh, who's this UCF athlete. He used to be a soccer player. Um, but he's like six, six and can run like a four, three, eight and jump like 42 inches. He's ridiculous. And he's a tough blocker, but they're, you can tell they're interested in using him because they use him kind of as a tight end. They split him out at receiver. So they got some like these interesting big athletes that I'm, I'm curious how they're going to like, operate with them like are they using them more in the red zone the run game is more that was the next thing i was going to bring up hopefully that's that's, the, that's one area where you yeah eh, i know it's <laughs> a little scary i think that's a little bit of recency bias because of how bad it looked during the during the playoffs yes when well, cam Akers is not ready to play yeah. <laughs> he's just Coming not ready Achilles. to play that's important i i think that he will be better i also in chatting with people there i think this is real when you spend all of your offseason thinking about how you're going to evolve and retool your passing game, there's only so much practice time. Right. And I think that's happened to the Bills at times over the last few years. I think it's happened to the Chiefs at times over the last few years. It's not as easy as people think to flip that no. switch where, oh, we're getting these juicy run looks. Let's just run the shit out of the ball. It's not always easy to do that. No. I mean, when you're double this team, teams take chemistry, like double teams take chemistry. You have to know when the guy comes off to get the linebacker. Like it takes time for those guys to get that. I think that then I do believe that that was a part of why they didn't run the ball as efficiently last year. They were 18th in EPA per rush during the regular season. They were obviously really bad in the playoffs. And yeah. I do think that part of that is because they were so focused on what the, the passing game would look like and becoming a passing team. And I think that's real. And I feel yeah. like after one year removed from having to spend all of your time and energy and focus figuring out how we're going to unlock Matthew Stafford, now we know. You know, you have that established in place, and now can you figure out what the run game looks like a little bit more? Cam Akers is further removed from that injury. So I do think the running game will be better this year for several different reasons. Yeah, it's almost like a regression to the mean yeah. <laughs> of a Rams run game. It really is. I, it's funny is that they were running this empty, heavy vertical passing game and there's still a reason Stafford had the lowest distance to go on third down since 2018 for any quarterback so his average third down to go was six and 6.4 yards 
which is the best of any any quarterback has had since 2018, like for their season. So what they were doing on first and second down was still working. And that's with a running game that we thought was average to below average last year. Now imagine if that's above average. It's just going to make their lives easier. That they were able to make it easy on themselves while attacking vertically without a kind of steady Eddie run game behind them. I, I think that's pretty interesting. It speaks to what McVay and Stafford were doing last year. So you had the Bengals at six. I have the Eagles at six. Are the Eagles okay. in your top ten? They are not. I know. That was uh that was, that, was, finished- that was my spiciest one. So here's the <sighs> I understand the reservations. I totally do about Jalen Hurts and about where yep. he can go. Where do you think the Eagles finished in passing DVOA last season? Like ninth, fourteenth. Ah, okay. They were <laughs> the Eagles were fourteenth in passing DVOA last season. They were tenth in overall weighted DVOA last season. Yeah. They have AJ Brown now. Yeah. No, I I, it just seems I get like, it. and and I understand the concerns, and I understand people that might be hesitant about the ceiling. But I yeah. still think that they belong in a top 10 conversation. What A.J. Brown does for them, the layups that A.J. Brown can turn into big plays, all of the different ways that they can use him. And I also just love the way that the pieces fit together on this team. You think about the receiving core, and I think they're going to live in 11 personnel more than they did last year and more than they had even during times in the Doug Peterson era. I love the way the pieces fit together. Because you have Brown, you have Devontae Smith, you have Zach Pascal, Quez Watkins the different roles those guys can mm-hmm. play. If we want to get an 11 and grind the shit out of you, we have Pascal that we can put inside. We have AJ Brown that we can put inside. If we want to really push the ball vertically, we can use Quez Watkins as a vertical slaughter. Somebody stretching things on the outside. Dallas Goddard is a very good player. They have the best offensive line in football. Mm-hmm. So even if you have concerns about Jalen Hurts and what he can ultimately be, I still think that the rest of the supporting cast and a coaching staff that showed a lot of flexibility and self-awareness yeah. last season. I have a lot of faith in them being really good on that side of the ball this year. I, but I don't the, blame you for not having them in there. It's I know. It's that Bucks game in the playoffs. It just burned into my brain. And it's I get just it. that I know. And it, once you put the tape out, and that's I know not everyone runs a Todd Bowles defense, but it's there's a lot of stuff that's translatable when you play the Eagles. So that but all your arguments make sense. I love this offensive line. I love what the coaching staff did. Like the run game was so cool last year and how they were doing stuff off of it. They realized what Jalen Hurts is good and bad at and they just leaned the hell into it. They go balls. Hey, let's throw some out sale routes to Dallas Goddard. Like he was so many corner routes to Dallas Goddard. So many many corner corner routes to Dallas Goddard. And Hurts could throw the shit out of him. Like he is so good at throwing those. It's because it's outside the numbers. <laughs> and so he can see it. That's why. And my hesitation was with Brown. We talked about this, I think, with Steve Ruiz and with the receiver stuff is, you know, his best stuff is on inbreakers. And Hurts is iffy throwing over the middle. He has that issue. He likes to extend a lot of plays outside the pocket. If he comes out in the first month of the season and he's operating from the pocket and, and really dicing guys over the middle, I'll be like, holy shit, this offense, this offense could, like, if Hurts takes, even just a half step forward as a passer, this offense could go gangbusters because just that offensive line is so good. It's just that I'm scared of that. I'm scared if they can't eke that out of him. If bullets start flying, he has a couple missed throws and all of a sudden he's not feeling confident. He starts getting to scramble mode. I could see a lot of games getting away from them. Even if they they have a, I think a dynamic run game, you know, Miles Sanders is banged up, but I I love that offensive line, but Hertz is going to be such a good runner as well. So I think their floor is really high. 
but it's it's up to Hurts to determine that ceiling. Like no shit, like most quarterbacks determine the ceiling, but I think especially so with the Eagles. I have faith in them pushing that ceiling a little bit further, and and that's yeah. why I have them here. Yeah. How can they access that area of the field is a huge, huge question. Is it more under center play action, more of that quick hitting stuff that we saw Tennessee do over the last few years? Right. You'd be silly not to look at it and try to. to find answers from that. And what that looks like on out of shotgun, if they want to live there a little bit more, that it's not totally seamless the way that he fits into the offense and the way that they can use him obviously based on how they didn't throw the ball in that area all of last year but i yeah. do think that they can do it more often this year and kind of unlock some things and and those coaches are creative they're will like you said they're willing to adapt they're not going these are my ball plays let's call them they're willing to totally revamp the offense on the fly i mean they have sh- this this isn't theory they did it last year on the fly. It wasn't a bye week change. They changed this offense midseason and it worked it worked really well for six, eight weeks, you know, maybe even longer than that, until they met Todd Bowles and the Bucks defense. Uh, but until that point though, they I mean, it was really cool. It was really impressive. We've talked about it many of times, but it, it's a feather in their cap into the offensive coaching staff being able to do that last year. I really like offensive coaches that don't come from one specific place. Yeah, And that's how Shane Steichen and Nick Sirianni are. Talking to Shane Steichen, you ask him, all right, what do you believe and why do you believe it? There's no answer. There's no yeah. specific answer. He For started history, with This guy Norf. used to coach Philip Rivers. Yeah, this guy yeah. was a Philip Rivers guy. So, and Norv Turner. Yeah, yeah. That was so his it's, baseline. And I, he, I think he learned a lot about how you sequence plays and call mm-hmm. a game from Norv. But think about Norv's offense compared to later versions of that Philip Rivers offense. There's so many different ways he's had to coach and think about offensive football and even accessing a lot of the college stuff they did last year. I just think that there's an open-mindedness and malleability to this staff that sets them up for success. I I just truly believe that, and I think you saw that last season. All right, so you had the Rams at five. We talked about this team that I have at five a little bit at the beginning. I have the Packers at five. Okay. I totally understand your reservations. I just believe in it. I, I just, I, I just I don't know. know what else to do. It, so I, I, the game we talk about games that are seared into my mind. You know what game is seared into my mind? Be- with the current situation in Green Bay, every Packers game against the Bears the last decade. No, that was oh Jesus! <laughs> I, I see that in my nightmares every single night. It's the game they played against the Chiefs in 2019. You remember that yeah. game? Hmm. Aaron Jones scores a touchdown on a sluggo, lined up as the number one receiver to the left side. Yeah, He scores another touchdown in that game on a tunnel screen, lined up as the number one receiver to the left side. Devontae Adams did not play in that game. Devontae Adams is the best receiver in football. Mm-hmm. There, there, and we're going to get into this a little bit later this week when I when you do a show with Seth Galina about some of the tweaks that some of these offenses have are going to have to make with their new personnel. When you lose a superstar, they're in a different place. And I'll be really curious how my, my conversations here go in, in Wisconsin over the next couple of days. There's so many aspects of that offense where the entire concept and idea was built around Devontae, rightfully so. So many advantage throws on early downs that are an extension of the run game. So many RPOs where Rodgers kind of gets to control the offense and hold it in his hands. Mm -hmm. His target rate from the slot last year was truly insane. (laughs) Like When he would line up there, they were throwing him the ball because of the looks that they were getting out of that. So there are so many different things that they have to tweak because of how varied his usage was that I understand being concerned about it. But I just think that the staff has done a really, really good job 
I think that even with some of the concerns about their offensive line injuries, Bakhtiari was reported today, a press conference going on about a block away right now that I should have been at, that he's going to start practicing in individual drills. Hey. And so, so he's going to come off the pup list, which is huge. El huge. Jenkins is already off the pup list. Zach Tom, their fourth-round pick, has looked very good in the preseason. Mm-hmm. Nate, if they find another fucking starting tackle in the fourth round of the NFL draft, I'm going to lose my mind. Oh, why? It was because your favorite team can't like find out. I, 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 I do not. I do not know how I'm going to react if Zach Tom just steps in as their starting right tackle and is a good player from day one. I, I'm. It's, it, it's not going to be good. It, yeah. It's. It's not going to be it, good. It's one of those things where I know I. I love the Packers offensive line coach. I'm blanking on his name right now, but uh, Adam Stenovich, uh, who's now their offensive Stenovich. coordinator. So yeah, Luke uh, Butkus is now their Butkus offensive is, line coach. Butkus but, is offensive line coach. He was the assistant, right? Yeah. Um. But they. But there's uh, honestly last year. Like I think there was just like tweets where people were like, "Well, who's your assistant coach of the year?" or something. Dennis Allen was my one, but it was really I. My number two was the Packers offensive line coaches, like because I just thought they're sound, like they're really sound. So, uh, so it's either their talent evaluation, or usually in a scouting room or in a scouting department, just like a little inside baseball or inside football, I guess. Is you have a cross checker for each scout, so uh, you have an area scout that has the West Coast, and then he's also in charge of receivers. So he'll also so it's just to get more grades, more data points on these guys. That's just how we saw what we did in the Falcons. Whoever the offensive line cross checking scout for the Packers is, like that's who teams should be asking, going like, "Hey, who's your offensive line cross checker?" Like when they're like trying to put a department together, like another personnel department. Yeah, I'm gonna steal him so I can get his grades and actually like you know maybe find these middle round gems because they just do it year after year after year. Even just looking at the starters, it's just you know fourth rounder, sixth rounder, second rounder, fourth rounder, second rounder. There's not a one next to any of those guys, and uh, they might be okay, which I don't know. That's just a little sidebar, which I think is interesting. I already got into my reservations about this Packers offense because I'm just the receiver. Sammy Watkins is going to have a lot of snaps. I totally place. understand, I, I, and it's hard to look at that receiver group and get excited, <laughs> yeah. but if they can just piece it together, if yeah. you get dubs and Sammy Watkins and when Christian Watson comes back and you know, somehow piece it all together with Lazard and you know, what does Lazard's role look like as yeah. they kind of – move into but this new version of themselves. Al Lazard is a good football player, by the way. He's I don't a want good any, player. I, 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 people knock him like, oh, he can't separate. That, that, that guy is super efficient, eye test and stat-wise. That guy is a really good football player. Like, he is. And how do they use Jones and Dylan? What do that? Yeah. What do their usages look like in the passing game? How much 21 yeah. pro- pony personnel do they use? I just think that they can get there. This is a bet on Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers, period. Yeah. And, and yeah. their offensive line development process. So, by the way, Zach Tom, okay? Who do you think – I, w- I want to list these names off for you. Three of the top five physical profile similarities to Zach Tom at the NFL Combine. Number one, Joel Batonio. Uh, he's decent. Number three, Rashawn Slater. Not bad. Number five, Ali Marpet. Okay. He's a tweener. He's, he's yep. 6'4", 2, 305. He's got 33-inch arms. I'm sure he's like, yep. ah, what can he do? They looked at the movement skills, 90 – Second percentile, 20-yard short shuttle, which is a very good indicator of offensive line success. It's actually probably the number one if you're looking at it. The Packers are also very, very intentional with their physical benchmarks at a lot of these positions. Yes. And they they win a lot of bets because of it. The whole receiver discussion this offseason, everyone's like, oh, they're going to draft this guy. If they're not 100 John Dotson's never going to be a a Green Bay Packer. If they're under 200 pounds, they're not even on the list. Like They don't even deal with it. So that you look at it, 96, 92nd percentile, 20 yard short shuttle, 95th percentile, three cone, 98th broad jump, 93rd vertical. It's just bet yeah. on athletes. 
Yeah, yeah, but athletes, athletes and we'll, we'll coach them up. Bakhtiari yep. was similar to that, and they've done a very, yep. very good job with it over the years, and, and I think that they may have done it again, and I'm going to be so pissed off, like just just so incredibly pissed off. So I this is a bet on those guys, and we'll see yep. how it works out. I understand why you're not willing to be as oh. as enthusiastic about making the same bet. I mean, it's yeah, yeah. It's it's weird. I I, I want to see this Packers team in action. I mean, you can't watch shit at practice because they don't want you to see anything, and then also like. They don't play the starters in the preseason. They bench like 30 guys. So I, I just, I, I, they tweak, they do. It's the greatest hits offense. That's what we've kind of called it. Like it's kind of, you can see the influences that they take from other places, which has always been fun. So now that they have a team that I think they're kind of, they're trying to do the classic, oh, Rogers completed a ball to eight different receivers. Like they're trying to do that offense. And I want to, I want to, I'm curious what it looks like because it was a nice easy button that they could hit as soon as they went into the red zone. They had these super sweet designer plays, the Devontae yeah. Adams stuff. So now what happens when you have a much more kind of good to above average players as opposed to the best receiver in football? I, I, I'm, I'm just curious. I, I, it's credit to them for understanding where their bread was buttered. But now I want to see when they have a kind of a different meal in front of them. What's the first thing you do if you had an extra hour in your day? Go for a run? Take a nap? Read a book? Show up for a friend? Show up for yourself? A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is... Time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. Showing up for yourself, that's a big one. That's exactly what therapy is. Doing what you need to do. Carving out the time that you need to make sure that you can show up for yourself and take care of what you need. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash maze today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash maze. It's only a kick. A jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the icon of vacations. Icon of the seas. Arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry Bahamas. I assume our top four are going to be the same in some order. You have the bucks at four. I also have the bucks at four. Funny. Funny. <sighs> My only it's, argument against them is just the offensive line injuries that are already yep. starting to pile up. So mm-hmm. Jensen's out for the season. Aaron Stinney got hurt last night, I believe, yep. or sometime this weekend. So it's him and Robert Hainsey, you know, kind of fighting. Uh, Worfs has been banged up. Worfs has a oblique injury right yep. now. So just those are that's in the back of my mind. Uh, the, obviously, the receiver room is coming back healthy, but they'll piece that together. However, if Godwin even misses a couple games. 
you have some combination of Mike Evans, Julio Jones, and even this version of Julio Jones and Russell Gage. That's fine to me. Are you at all worried about the fact that Tom Brady just doesn't appear to be there or practicing? When do we get concerned about that? I don't know. I mean, like, what's with these NFC quarterbacks and just like not playing a camp <laughs> in Stafford? Uh, I, it is a little worrisome. I mean, if he was 34, I wouldn't be, but he's 44, 45. So it's that, that's a little weird. And also, like, they're just not talking about it. Like, no one knows where he's at, like, at all. Somebody, weren't they, wasn't there a theory that he was on the Masked Singer or something like that? I saw that. I was like, that's, I'm not, which I'm is not, hilarious. Getting, not getting into that. We need the season to start. <laughs> We're getting into that. We're getting I'm into those theories. If he was <laughs> on the Masked Singer, I'm happy to not have so missed funny. that story. If, right. if, we, if right. we don't get that in and, and somehow we didn't hit on the Masked Singer theory, I think we'll be okay. Yeah. But I mean, the rest of this team, like you said, you brought up the receivers. Like they, they're, we, I talk about offensive line scouting for the Packers, receiver scouting for the Bucks, whoever was in charge of that, because their backups are, like Tyler Johnson's like had a good preseason. They're really challenging him. I can tell they're challenging him. Like they even have just random dudes. Like of course, you know Scotty Miller, our guy. They have like an undrafted free agent, Jared Stearns, who's like a, this little short guy from Western Kentucky who caught like 150 balls last year, and he looks good. And like it's uh, they just get these guys. It's kind of cool. Tight end is a little interesting. Like Brate, I like Brate. They signed Kyle Rudolph off the streets. You know he wears number eight now, which is. That doesn't seem like a Kyle Rudolph number at it's all. Disgusting. The it fact does, that right? Julio is an eighty-five and Kyle Rudolph is an eight is I'll never. Get yeah, over. Let's, we did. Let's we did get that. some news on that front though. Apparently, our Greg Alman overheard Julio telling a fan that he has not been had a number assigned to him for the season yet, and after cuts, ah. it may be a little bit different. So let's look at their depth chart. Who uh, can well, steal I'm, just, from. I'm concerned about Scotty's <laughs> number ten. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Sorry, well, I'm a little worried about Scotty's <laughs> number ten. No. But I mean, but also, but why I'm not too worried about the tight end stuff is, and we've talked about this on this pod, is a traditional Arians offense. I noticed this left, which is that tight end's a blocker. He's a de facto extra tackle. That's what Jermaine Gresham did. Like he, Jermaine Gresham never had like more than like 30 or 40 targets when he was in Arizona. And now they, I like their fourth round pick, Kate Otten. He's a no gloves, wide tight end. Like there doesn't play with gloves. He looks like a long snapper. And like, but he actually looked decent in that role and the preseason games I've watched. Um, I'm really, really high in that rookie running back, Rashad White. I keep bringing his name up, uh, uh, but I really am. I He looks the part. He's a great receiver. They're playing Leonard Fournette in the second preseason game to literally get him in shape. Like That's why they gave him a bunch of reps <laughs> this weekend. So uh, I, I like this other younger back that's faster with better hands and like actually is picking up blitz protection. Like They already talking about how he's been pressing for a rookie. So I don't know. I keep banging that drum. Not just, again, that he's on my dynasty fantasy teams, but also just because I really like him as a player. Uh, but that's, I don't know. I It's hard to bet against Tom Brady after I just said I'm not betting on Aaron Rodgers, but I am, I'm betting on Tom Brady <laughs> and those receivers. I mean, that's really what I'm betting on. And I'm betting on a better run game just because I think the talent's better. Yeah, the, run, the offensive line injury is the only thing that's keeping them from the yeah. top three for me. And the fact yeah. that it's already started. That's it. Uh, the Bucks are going to be good. All right. Who's at number it, three for you? B- well, before before they got banged up, they, the Bucks were number two for me when I did this on Minas Pod. Like, yeah. But they so, dropped off just a, they just dropped off a tad for me. I think that's perfectly reasonable. All right. Who's yep. three for you? Three is – let me scroll up. Oh, three is the Chargers. Same. Uh, yep. Uh, so I, I'm going to guess we have somewhere top three. <laughs> uh, yeah. Bet on Justin Herbert. Bet on this – the you know – this offensive line being better to protect outside the right tackle. Even if Corey Lindsley is more of a above average player, he's still an above average starter at center. That's that's nice. And what um, he does for them between the ears, it, you can't overstate how important chill it is. Out. Yeah, and especially with that type of offense, I know it's a lot of verbiage. So having 
something to take off Herbert, even though Herbert's a genius. But like, take it just helps. It just helps I, him play fast. He's gotten there's he's doing more of that this year, just because yeah. that's that was always the development plan for him is to take a lot of that off of him in year one, give him more Smart. of it in year two. But Corey still has more say than I think Good. you would typically have if you have a quarterback with Justin's acumen. But just yep. because I think they trust Corey so much in that realm, it'd be stupid not to use him. So I think yes. it's kind of a checks and balances system that they have say. between the two. That's as, as I, how I understand it. That we talked about this last pod, uh, talking about the quarterbacks' new places and how you know some quarter like Ryan, Matt Ryan's getting more you know leeway to do all that stuff. My preferred way, and this is just because the systems I've been in, is the center has the uh, has everything, handles everything. But the quarterback can trump him whenever veto he wants. Power. He has veto power. I think that's exactly how they power. set it up. Yes, that's that's how that's my preferred system. And it's but you have to trust the center. And when you got a multi-year starter, Corey Lindsley, that you do trust the center. But that is you put a lot of power to them. But I always like that where the quarterback, but they have to have a great relationship. They're developing that relationship, so I really like that. Um, you know, receiver wise, we you and I have talked about this off air. You know, I you know they don't have the juice that I would prefer. But it's the only thing about I'm worried about. It is, and I, I get it. Uh, Herbert is a line drive thrower. He can pin it on big bodies, but that's still, if you're not threatening a team vertically, and we're talking about safeties playing top down more and more and more and more, if you're not threatening them, um, they'll play at 12 yards instead of 16. It just makes everything over the intermediate parts of the field tighter. So that's that's one hesitation I have, but you know who's the best receiver uh, on go and post routes from the outside? I know that's kind of niche, but just think of vertical routes from the outside. The best receiver since 2019 is Mike, Mike Williams. Williams. Yeah, I mean, that's what so he does. That's what he does. I, He's a contested catch guy. And so they have their answers. It's just maybe not what I prefer. Love Josh. If you're Paul trying well. to find optimism about their ability to create explosive plays without that third level lift the top off guy. Just look at the Rams last year. Yeah. The Rams yep. didn't have that guy. And they consistently were able to create those explosive plays. Yep. Because it's really, if you think about it now. And defensive coaches have said this, and, and I, I, it makes total sense. If they know you're not going to throttle down, they're just going to play over the top of you if you're one of those guys. It's yep. not that hard to account for that sort of speed when you're playing these sorts of structures. So you're really having to use multiple players to bleed out those zones and kind of come back, back through it. That now becomes a question of pass protection. Because if yes. you're having those big developing routes coming all the way across the field, and you have to run multiple guys through those zones, it's can you hold up? They couldn't hold up last season. Mm -hmm. And I know the right tackle is still a concern. They have not figured out who it is yet between Pipkins and Storm Norton. That is the one spot where it's like, God, I'd be worried about that. But last year, it was the guard and the tackle. They lost Ode Abouche early in the season, and they were trying to figure out that spot. Michael Schofield played a ton of snaps for them last year. Michael Schofield isn't even a starter for the Bears right now. Putting Zion Johnson in that place and having one more offensive line spot that you feel good about is huge. It's going to make them better as a unit. And if they feel like they can hold up a little bit more, do we see some of those big, big concepts from them offensively? Last year, on first and second down, where do you think Justin Herbert rate, ranked in ADOT on, on first and second down? Oh, like 22nd. 31st of 38 yeah. quarterbacks. That's, okay. yeah, that's so And then on third down, it was eighth because yeah. it's like, all right, just go make a play, big guy. Yeah. I, I want to see them be more aggressive in those spots. And I think that they're the way that they've explained it to me, and Brandon Staley said something I thought it was funny. So we, we want to be like a 90s Eastern Conference basketball team. 
uh, with our receiving core. Just just length, just length and bully the shit out of people. Yeah. And I can understand that. You look at them, pretty much all of their pass catchers are have at least 33-inch arms. All yeah. of them. Keenan, Jordan, Joshua Palmer does. Donald yeah. Parham, 6'9". Gerald Everett does. They have so much length. And if teams are going to try to keep a, a roof on you, can you make contested catches in traffic in condensed areas of the field? And I think that's how they've built the receiving core. And can you find enough explosives with some of the designs that we've talked about? And they actively sought that out this year. Like, can we? Where are our explosive plays coming from in today's NFL? How can we yeah. find more of them? So I and I have faith about their ability to do it. You have Justin Herbert year two in the system. I, I just think that they're going to get there. I think no matter what, they're going to be good. It's one of those. I mean, they were fourth in DVOA last year, which is like, yes. but it's, it felt like they had so much room to t- more more room to grow, which is kind of funny. That I know it's it's just one of those that's like I know the it's like being a, a, like a counselor. I know your potential and and you're doing a great job, but I really want you to major in this, and and, and I think that would be really good for your studies. That's how I feel with them. Um, I, I last year the two games we're talking about games seared in our brain. Uh, it was at the Broncos and at Baltimore. Those two games, and I could tell that they got gamed out of what they wanted to do, whether it was the protection, whether it was uh, the backup running backs outside of you know outside of Eckler not being able to identify who they have in protection. So it wasn't just personnel as far as physically, but also mentally. The tight ends couldn't hold up. If you want to do play action and attack vertically, not just seven-step dropbacks, but the play action element – Tight ends or running back have to know what the F they're doing because otherwise they're, I mean, that's an edge rusher or that's a guy blitzing and the running back runs right by him. Like that's what would happen a couple of times or they're late like Fangio against the Broncos. They just started going, Hey, let's just blitz the running back every down. And then, and that's what happened or simulated, I should say, but the running back was like missing blocks. You know, I think it was Joshua Kelly in those games. So yes, they have Spiller, but I don't know what Spiller does. I'm doing a lot of pass pro in college as well. So that, that always takes time. So that's scary for me too, is tight end and running back depth. But the other parts of this offense, I really like. And again, we can talk about every team where you say, oh, one injury, they could look bad. But it's like, but right now I see the vision and, and I love big arm quarterbacks having big bodies to throw to. That's why I, I scream that Justin Fields doesn't have any like six, four ball winners because Big arms need big bodies just because they are going to pin it on you. When I say pin it on you, did you they, see like that you said, throw he made that past the year? The guy, the Cowboys oh, against the against Cowboys, Diggs? yeah, just oh, yeah. past his ear hole to Keenan yeah. Allen. And, it's ridiculous. And Keenan Allen had laid hands. Keenan Allen just acted like nothing's happening. And just it's a free, it's freaky stuff. And I love Joshua Palmer. Like I, I really like him. I, I think he's a great blocker. He's, I think he's had a good camp. It's another size guy that runs a four or five and change. <laughs> I mean, that's what they're they, that's what they built it out of. But I like it. What once they get into the red zone, they're going to be so effective because yeah. then you got Herbert launching missiles to these big bodies it, it's that's a good combination to have so i don't know i just want them to open up on first and second down and like you said o-line improvements one way that they can do that i think the protection is a huge reason that they yep. did not push the ball all season and i think yep. they, they have to feel better about it's it a simple answer when you spend a first yep. round pick on a guard you should feel a little bit better about it right all right who's number two for you number two is the bills all right our one and two is flipped sweet I, I, that's perfect. <laughs> um, Bills, I believe when I was on Mina's pod, I had at, I had them at four. So funny. I, I've, I've, why yeah. do you feel better about them? Just like one Josh Allen throw in the preseason. If that's the reason <laughs> I wouldn't fall, I wouldn't fall to uh, because of that. It was that they mixed up the personnels. I'm, I was sucker for it. They weren't, they did the 10 personnel with four wides, but then they were doing 12, they're doing 21, they're doing 11. They adjusted their rules already. I can tell with the offensive line. 
the game we always come back to was that Steelers game week one, Steelers running simulated pressure over and over and over and over. And the Bills had no answers because they were like, what is this? You guys just punched us in the mouth 40 times in a row. That Josh Allen throw, the one I keep referring to, look it up if you haven't seen it. It's insane. He throws, launches a 40-yard missile into the end zone for a touchdown to Gabe Davis. And on that one, it's a, they're an empty. It's second and long, I think. They're an empty. And the Broncos bring a simulated pressure. The Bills offensive line had an answer for it. The right tackle doesn't waste himself. He immediately goes because when you run a simulated pressure, one of the ends is going to drop. So that end dropped into coverage. And then the right or the defensive tackle looped around. The right tackle was ready for it. So they didn't waste anybody and get and create a free runner on the second along. So that's why he had this beautiful pocket. And Allen extends the play a little bit. This is the psycho shit that Josh Allen is, it lets you do. That Mahomes, Allen, and Herbert, but he doesn't play in this type of offense. This is what they let you do. They're running an empty, like five-step concept, five-step drop concept. Those routes are usually 10 to 15 yards. By the way, and I do want to see do- more of that from the Chargers. I do want to see yes, them no. steal more of these ideas. I agree. Just, just- Attack intermediate. It's the hard stuff. You have the quarterback that can do it. Attack the intermediate areas. That's what you need to do. But they're running this five-step concept. And on top of it, Gabe Davis is running a post out of empty. You don't see posts out of empty because that is a seven-step concept. So they're running seven-step elements of a quick game look. It's just like it's just like what we were talking about empty with the chips with the ramps. So but this is their way. Quarterback is that you can do that shit. When you have a fake quarterback, you can do fake this. quarterback. You can do that. This it's not that's uh, that's why I want to beat over the head right now for everyone that's listening right now. This isn't normal. That's not fair to be able to do that. And the fact that they're now doing some of the more quote unquote normal football stuff, the eye formation stuff, just straight running game, straight passing game, not just RPOs. And then they have the RPOs elements in there. And then they have the freaky design Frankenstein's monster plays. Holy crap. Like this is, this could offense could be really, really, really fun. Like they had, they had another play. Uh, this is the last protection thing I'll bring up. They're in 11 personnel. This is just this weekend, but I, I know it's preseason, but you can start seeing the flavors teams are trying to go for, even with the backups, because they're running their base plays. Your one day one through five install plays in preseason, so you know what they're kind of basing their offense out of. They're in uh, they're in a bunch formation, eleven personnel, three wide receivers, and why teams run play action out of eleven personnel? Why teams have hesitancy with that, or they used to? Was you have a tight end on an edge. And that's a little scary sometimes. There's not a lot of wide tight ends anymore. That truly, there's my dad made a living doing this, but there's not a lot of six, seven, 255 pound wide tight ends that are just true blockers. What the Bills did, and there's different ways to do this. This is why the Rams have been geniuses. They either slide another tight end over or tight end over. So you change the angle of attack. Or what the Bills did, you have the receiver help out the tight end for mm-hmm. a little bit and a leak out on a check down. So as opposed to just wasting him on another deep route, hey, Help out. I'm going to be your check down now. I'm a receiver check down after I just helped out the tight end. It sounds simple, but that stuff opens up your entire offense because now you're not scared of your tight end of Dawson Knox taking a charge against an edge player. You have the receiver helping him out for two Mississippis. It's a long help, and then he releases on his down, and then Josh Allen could get rid of the ball and attack vertically. They're realizing what they are, and they're making rules off of it, and I love that. And I know this is with a new offensive coordinator, but he has been there. So I think he understands some of the limitations they had, but I'm loving this next step they're taking. They're not going to change much, and they're not going to change much from what they were at the end of last season, not what they you? were at the beginning of last season. That I have two numbers that I would keep coming back to and when why they're number one for me and kind of building the case. In the playoffs last season out of 21 personnel, Josh Allen was 12 of 15 for 200 yards and three touchdowns. 
Reggie Gilliam Thir- opened up the Bills offense. <laughs> Thir- 13 yards per attempt on those plays. 0.67 EPA per dropback. For context, uh, the leaders in the league are about 0.25. Yeah. So it was about two and a half times more efficient than the best passing plays in the NFL last season. Because it makes teams play against you in simple looks. Even yes. if they're going to sit in nickel and they're not going to play base defense, they still have only a limited menu that they can draw from. And I think that the Bills absolutely tap it into something. They extended Reggie Gillum this offseason. He's he's back. Like they yep. they found something with that. Yes. The other one that I was very happy when I saw this because it's the eye test told me this. Last year, Josh Allen faced more cover two snaps than any other quarterback in the NFL, which is not surprising yep. based no. on the way teams started to play against the Bills. From weeks one through nine, he had he averaged eight point nine two air yards per attempt against cover two. He was twelfth okay. in the NFL in EPA per pass on those plays. Fine, but not great. Yeah. From weeks 10 through 18, that air yards number dropped from 8.92 to 4.56. And he went from 12th to 9th in EPA per play on those plays. He's taking the layups. That's why James Cook is here. He's there because their number one priority this offseason, number one, multiple people said this to me unprompted when I was there a couple weeks ago. Run after catch. Run after catch. How can we create run after catch? And they wanted to do it with McKissick. They ultimately got it with James Cook. They want to influence Josh Allen into not trying to bite it off every single time. And you have to give him a reason to take the check yeah. down. So right. if he thinks that the check down can turn from a four-yard completion into a 15-yard gain because it's going to James Cook, he will do it more often. And that is a conscious thing that they're trying to build into their offense. So you yeah. have that element now with Cook. You have Isaiah McKenzie now who is all juice (laughs) added into that offense. Now, he is their slot guy. I mean, Jameson Crowder's fine, and Jameson Crowder speaks to the depth on this team, but having McKenzie and Davis and Stephon Diggs and James Cook there now... Davis looks so good right now. It all makes sense, man. And you combine that with the the superhero quarterback, the fake quarterback that they have. Even if you have concerns about... The transition to Dorsey, which I think is totally fine. Mm-hmm. Their offensive line coach is gone. You know Bobby Johnson. Aaron Cromer is their offensive line coach now. Aaron Cromer's been around forever. forever. I think they will run more outside zone than they have in That's years it. past because Cromer is there. But that's just a little tweak that I think could give them more answers in the run game if they wanted it to. And even the guys they brought in, Roger Saffold came from Tennessee. That's he's lived in that. Mitch Morse moves extremely well. Their offensive line went from a group that was really a lot of big push you around guys when Cody yeah. Ford was starting for them. Now yeah. they move well. Bates does. Spencer Brown has very good movement skills. I'm a little bit worried about this team in pure dropback situations with Brown on the, at right tackle and Saffold at left guard. But that's why you have Josh Allen. Yeah, you you can afford to build and the smoke your team. and mirror stuff that they do. That's why you do that. Yeah, you can build your team in different ways when you have a quarterback that can mitigate pressure in that way. He just yeah. answers so many problems it's, and I. I had my concerns about, you know, I think Brian Dable is so good and what he did for them is so good. But I do think that the continuity with Dorsey and just the personnel that they have, there's just too many arguments for me as to why they should be there. And continuity is the reason I have them one. I have the Chiefs two. But yeah. I mean, why do you have the Chiefs at one? Because I, I, I understand oh. it. But well, I, I want to say well, that game for Josh Allen at New England in the regular season. 100%. Remember that he was checking it down, checking it down, checking it down. And light then bulb. he started hitting. And a light bulb went off for him. He was like, oh, 
I could just hit this for eight yards and then all of a sudden the defenders come up and now I can hit them over the top. It's the game I the brought pocket. up to everyone when I was there. It, that, it is the game I brought up you, to everyone because that was half the moment. The Bucks game. Yep. And then second half of the Bucks game and then at New England and at the end of the season. And that's when he became a quarterback. Like it, it's there's yeah, it's the meme. Like this is the day so and so became president. That was the day Josh Allen became a quarterback. Like that that was what happened there. But also, you didn't mention my my boy Khalil Shakir, who looks like a monster right hey, now. Yeah, just it's, depth. It's just depth. they have so many freaking players, and that OJ Howard, if they want to use him every once in that a while, that speaks to all the personnel usage. Yes. They can get into all these different looks, and that that's tough to defend when you are not. When it's like shit, they're in twelve personnel. Okay, oh, and they're going tempo and they're spreading it out. Now they're in eleven person. Now they're in ten personnel and they're bringing a receiver back to protect. Like that for a defense and then all of a sudden it's like yes okay we got a great game plan and then there's josh allen being professor chaos well now like, that the, is the, the shitty thing now is that now if they're in 21 they, they hit you with like some sort of downhill play action throw they yep. they play tempo you got to keep those guys on the field on yep. the next play it's first and 10 they break apart the empty reggie gilliams out at number one it's like all right what do we do now and it's just yep. there's so many different ways that they're just going to have people spinning yep. and when you have that and you have the quarterback to make it all work it's it's, it's tough, insane. man. It's insane. <laughs> it's it's yes. really tough. Yes. But right. so after just hyped up the, the Bills, put them over. But no, Chiefs are my number one team and or offense, I think. I one, I think it's I think Mahomes is on a war path. I really do. I think watching him in the preseason, that that's a pissed off player. And I mean that in a good way. Um I really think they ate their vegetables this offseason. I think those Bengals games are burned into their brain, and I think they are they're leading into what they they're they fit bills and chiefs in their own way and we've we've hit this up before they hit their limitations of what they can do and now it's a they're a very they're similar story it's really cool yeah. actually it's like in their own ways not the same offense at all but just what limitations they reach were the same as far as and what i mean by that is what runs they can get to if they're so spread heavy uh, they almost became basic because they were so spread heavy and defenses were like okay we'll just play safe against you and now I think the Chiefs are doing the same thing as the Bills are. They're trying to use different personnel groupings. Um, it was interesting that first preseason game, they used the fullback a bunch. I know you don't want to read too much into it. Just one drive, Andy Reid's being basic. But they still are getting to it. Like, they're not going to build the whole boat out of it. But at least they're going to sprinkle it in a little bit more. They're sprinkling in a ton of 12. But defenses, this is the NBA saying, is you are who you guard. Defenses treat that like 11 with Travis Kelsey. But there's a lot more looks with Noah Gray and Blake Bell having real tangible reps, their tight ends and leading. And I think they're 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 figuring out what they are as far as a run game and how to build off of it. This last second preseason game, because Andy Reid is old school and he plays his starters, and it's great <laughs> for me because I'm like, oh, okay, I can watch Mahomes do some cool shit. They're running play action stuff off of the, what I, the play I call Y insert, which is Blake Bell or Noah Gray. It's a lead block. If you picture I formation football where a fullback's leading up on a linebacker, a play that's literally called Bob back on backer, this is the spread version of it. And this is the uh, light personnel version of it. So as opposed to a fullback, it's just a tight end doing that. And if you have a, these big tight ends that can do it, Noah Gray's not big, but he played fullback at Duke a little bit. It made sense. They're leaning into that personnel. And then... I like the the play action that they showed. I've seen it in the preseason clips and and in the preseason game or training camp clips. Preseason game is they ran a play action, so they made it look like that lead insert. The linebackers are coming up, and then they run play action off of it. They realized, okay, if defenses are going to play this way, they're going to drop eight against us. They're not going to blitz us. They're going to. I think a lot of teams. I think we say too high. I think we're going to see more cover two this year, just straight cover two, because that's another element of defenses going. Hey, we'll make the offense get bored 
Like they're daring the offenses to be boring. That's what they're doing. But I think the Chiefs are really going, okay, we ate our vegetables. We are separating church and state. We are no longer doing RPOs as much. They still do them, but not as much. And we're going to run the ball. We're going to run play action. We're sprinkling those old school type of traditional elements of the game, of an offense. And I think they're just going to lean into it fully. I really do. I hope Andy Reid doesn't get bored after the first four weeks and he goes back to 70% pass. Just make it like 62% pass, yeah. you know, on those early. Just a little bit. It doesn't have, you don't have to. When teams Don't are dropping eight, all the way into it. it's and when teams are dropping eight, just run the ball. Just, just run the just ball. Run, just run the ball. It's so and, and easy. It doesn't have to be this monumental change. And I also nope. think the monumental change already happened. Yep. Last last season, Mahomes was second in the NFL in EPA per dropback from weeks ten through eighteen. Okay, during that stretch, he was averaging six point eight two air yards per attempt. That was twenty fifth of twenty eight qualified. It's so weird. This idea that. They're going to have to do so many different things because no. teams are playing them this way and they don't have Tyreek Hill. They already did it. Yeah. They already, they already did realized it, it during the back half of last season. And he was one of the best three quarterbacks in the NFL mm-hmm. while having to adapt stylistically. They yep. already know how to do this. It's about how can we do one or two more things to take away those tiny wrinkles. If teams are yep. going to run that designer shit on us on first down, we just have to run the ball and be able to do it. That's it. And. Getting CEH back, CEH isn't a superstar, but their running game last year was not good. I mean, they, the numbers were fine. Like, they were an efficient running team overall because of how great the looks are. But yes. last season, they were 26th in the league in EPA per rush against five to six man boxes. Like, it's, they just need to get more when it's there. And I think him, yeah. and even if it's Pacheco or whoever, that's not Daryl Williams. If they can get a tiny bit more out of their run game consistently, I think that they're going to be more willing to take it when it's there. And when, you, com- when you take that and combine it with one of the best offensive lines in the league, yep. I think it's fair to say that is a strength of that group. Yeah. What's the hardest thing to find in football? It's franchise quarterback. Second hardest thing is building an offensive line, I think. They did. Both. They have it. They have it, and they're strong. Like you have a no matter how you shake it, Mahomes is a top two quarterback to me. I mean, no matter he's number one to me, but it's he's a generational quarterback. He is he's an incredible player, and he still looks great. <laughs> Offensive line looks great, and they're at you type of runners. And when I say at you, they're more gap heavy. When I say gap heavy, think power, think uh, duos run. I always talk about that's an at you run. That Y insert play that I brought up, that's an at you run, even if it's out of a spread look. And CEH, especially when he was coming from LSU, those were the runs he was best at. He's best with his shoulders facing the line of scrimmage. They were trying to do a lot of out of the gun. Again, this is what I'm talking about, limitation of runs when you're in spread looks. They're trying to do stretch runs. A stretch run, the running back has to go horizontal and then go 45 degrees vertical. You have to be such a good athlete to do that. CEH runs like a a 4.65, generously, like (laughs) 4.7. He is a downhill runner. So it's just, let's lean into that. Let's lean into our personnel, like what they're good at. Our, our offensive line is going to, they're a bunch of ass kickers. I mean, they really are. They, they are brawlers and they're good and they're good athletes on top of it. Maybe not Orlando Brown. He's more just a, like just a big lump out there, but he's still good. <laughs> uh, but it's, they're at you, at you, at you. And I think they just are like, they, like you said, I'm so glad you brought up the second half. They already realized this was happening to them. That last month of the season, they changed their run game up. The Bengals game at Cincinnati in week 17, their run game, they started, that's when they started doing the Y insert a little bit more. They started leaning into different runs because they're like, well, if you're going to run a five man box against us, let's just get eight yards, even with the running backs that they were trotting out last year. So I, I, I think 
I just like it. And the receiver room, I know there's hesitancy, but Kelsey is their X receiver. And then they're going to use MVS and Juju as their the Y tight end. Pieces fit together. The pieces it makes fit together. Sense. It's not, it, I think they're going to, I think they're going to be on a war path this year. I really do. That is like, I don't know. It shouldn't be a hot take, but that's one of the takes I really am standing by is that I think this Chiefs offense and Chiefs team is going to, I mean, crazy. I think Mahomes is going to be good, but I think they're going to be extremely good back to that more near that 2018 level than what we've seen maybe the last couple of years. And you can't blitz them on top of that. You can't blitz them because four of the top five seasons against the blitz are by Patrick Mahomes <laughs> in his four years starting. Like it's, I don't know. I just think this team is going to punch a lot of teams in the mouth. They're going to stop liking it. And then they're going to hit them over the top. And I, I and I think it's gonna be awesome. I really do. If you're playing two high defenses, you're trying to get the safety in a bind, either fill up the run or play the pass. And if you're doing it with Mahomes in a solid run game, it's, I think it has all the chemistry for some some fireworks. I really do. Do you have an offensive line? Do you have a top three-ish quarterback? And do you have a play caller that I feel good about? Yes. Are the are the skill position players good enough? Yes. That's how I feel about the Packers and the Chiefs. Yeah. I think yeah. the pa- I think the Chiefs have better weapons just in the passing game. But if Aaron Jones is going to be a huge part of their passing game, and and I. That the way that it plays with Dylan and all that, I just think it's enough. So I think yeah. I'm making similar bets. I think the Chiefs just have better pass catchers. I think that that yeah, group is, makes more lie. sense to me, and that's why I have them higher. All right, yeah. we got to get out of here because I got to speak to the Packers. <laughs> I got to head over there. All right, bud. We will uh, we'll talk to you later this week. We're gonna do uh, first year play callers, which I, I'm really excited about after kind of my travels and, and talking to a bunch of them over the last few weeks. So really looking forward to that show. Really appreciate you guys listening. We will be back tomorrow with Deontay doing some questions about NFL defenses. Very much looking forward to that. In the meantime, please rate and review the podcast on your podcast platform of choice. It would mean a lot to me. If you like the show, let us know. Please subscribe to The Athletic. I, so there's so I don't know about you. I didn't watch all the preseason games. I'm sure you didn't watch all the preseason games. If you want to know what important stuff happened, go read The Athletic. Yes. Snap counts, rolls, who's starting, who's not, who should you be looking for in round 14 of your fantasy team, of your fantasy draft this week. This is the type of stuff you can find digging through the work that our beat writers do. So I highly encourage you guys to go check that out. Athletic.com. It's not your father's beat writers. It's I, not. It's not. This is new age beat writing. This is these stuff guys that's are actually psychos. tangible. Get, They're like, so I, good. You, you go watch some of this stuff. You, you go watch like Daniel Popper at Chargers practice. There is no fucking around here. Like, you guys should be checking this out. Theathletic.com slash football show if you do not have a subscription. We'll be back tomorrow. Appreciate you guys listening. Talk to you soon. This was The Athletic Football Show. Hey, hey. hey, football fans. This is Diana Rossini from The Athletic. Get the top stories in pro football snapped directly to your inbox with our latest NFL newsletter, Scoop City. Jacob Robinson and I will bring you the daily scoop of top NFL articles, posts, and podcasts every Monday to Friday. Sign up for free now at theathletic.com backslash scoop.